good morning, everyone. I'm Lori Cochran, one of the founding pastors here, and it's so great to see you. If I haven't met you, I'm introducing myself now, and I hope you come and introduce yourself to me. So I have the privilege of um, introducing our, our special speaker. I wanted to see her right after I asked her to come a year ago, and she's here. I'm so excited. So I know that you will love um, hearing her, but most importantly, I want to invite you to step into the one thing that God has challenging you to believe differently after hearing uh, Wendy this morning. So Wendy, come on up. Give us, join me in welcoming Wendy. Thank you. Yeah. God, I, I just... Just, just extend your hand uh, towards Wendy, and we just bless you with all the, all the fruitfulness that God has um, brought through your surrender, your belief, your changing your mind, and uh, walking in truth. Um, just pour out your spirit on Wendy right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Love this place, love the feel of it. Just Van and Lori, you guys are mighty giants in the spirit, just huge. You can tell how big leaders are by the size of the people they're leading. And I sense there's really mature, strong people in this congregation and just speaking to some of the other leaders, there's... There's just a lot of weight, weightiness of the Lord. So I just honor what you guys have started and what your other pastors are, are doing. It's just amazing. Um, this is Ash, my personal assistant. No, well, she, not just that. She does a lot of stuff on staff for us at Igniting Hope. And I asked her to just kind of share a little bit about who we are um, as a ministry and take it away. Hi, guys. Oh, so glad to be here. We've really enjoyed this weekend so far. Um, so most of what I'm going to chat about quickly, you can find on our website, which is ignitinghope.com. Um, yes, so Steve and Wendy have this amazing ministry called Igniting Hope. They travel all around the world and speak to people about this powerful message they carry. They change lives. I am the travel coordinator for Steve and Wendy, too, so I get to be a part of planning all these powerful trips. Um, and we have an itinerary on our website that shows all the places they're going, so if you're interested in, you know, following them, being a groupie of Steve and Wendy, we have that info there. We also have some really fun events coming up. One of them is called the Negativity Fast, Positivity Feast. Um, has anybody ever walked through that before, done it with us? Oh, quite a few people. That's exciting. Yeah, so every year during Lent, which is February 26th through April 9th, um, we actually intentionally fast negativity as a staff, as a team, and the Igniting Hope family joins us. So there's actually a sign-up on the website where you guys can get emails. You can be part of it with us. It's, it is a game changer. And we also have our annual Abounding Hope and Joy conference coming up, and that is on April 25th through 27th in Reading. So if you've ever been looking for an excuse to visit Bethel, <laughs> this is the time. We would love to have you. Again, sign-ups are on the website. And then um, we also have a book table outside, so if you guys haven't noticed that yet, you can check it out on your way back. We have Steve's books. We also have Wendy's, um, and I'm just going to highlight a couple here. Um, this book is Living from the Unseen. Has anyone read this before? 
Oh, wow. Okay, that's actually exciting. They're back there. Check them out. Let me just read this top little part on the back. We are first and foremost a spirit living in a natural body learning to see, hear, and access the spirit realm and its principles. Learning to live life through the eyes of the spirit is transforming and freeing. So if you've ever wanted to know more about the spirit realm, living from the unseen, this is your book. It is a game changer. And we also have a this taller version of the same book is for um, groups who want to do it together. We also have a video series. And then the last thing I have up here is an encounter CD. So this is Wendy walking you through an encounter. It is very powerful. Would not recommend to listen while driving. From personal experience, I can <laughs> vouch for that. Um, so is there anyone in here named Maria? Anyone named Maria? Or anyone named Amber? Amber, awesome! You can come here. I want to give you these. Woohoo, Amber. So exciting. There you go. Great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Stephen, I get the privilege, you know, to go around spreading hope and joy. It's a rough life. Uh, we actually um, were passionate about hope and joy because for the first 15 years of our Christian life, we didn't have any. I, I was fairly happy until I got saved. <laughs> you get caught up in religion and there's no joy in that, you know, because religion only celebrates perfection. And uh, I was never quite perfect enough. <laughs> Still not, but at least now I know how to have joy in the process. You know, religious churches, the reason they lack joy is because they're waiting for everybody to get their act together. You know, as soon as we become a perfect church, we'll be happy. I like to tell people, you know, religion celebrates perfection, but families celebrate progress. There's something about celebrating your progress and seeing life through progression rather than as failure. You know, when our grandchildren were learning to walk, we celebrated the one step, not the 50 falls. We didn't condemn them for 50 falls. We celebrated that they took one step. We didn't use the falling down to prove they weren't walkers. <laughs> Which is what a lot of us do. We try something new for God. And when we fail or fall, we try to use that as proof that we can't do it. You're supposed to take the one step and use that as proof, I can do it. In fact, God told me, Wendy, whenever you fail or fall, I want you to take that moment to celebrate. And I'm like, what do you mean, celebrate my failure? And he goes, no, celebrate the fact that you must have been standing for you to fall. <laughs> you can't fall down without standing. It's all in our perspective. So my husband and I um, just love to ignite hope. And, you know, for me, I, I thought that I was a hope-filled person, 
because I had hope in the sweet by and by. <laughs> but I didn't really have real hope, especially for myself. You know, I just couldn't see how I could change. And uh, I remember one time praying and just lamenting about what a failure and how inadequate I was. And God said, um, Wendy, do you know why you're hopeless about yourself? And I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm a mess. And he said, no, the reason you're hopeless about yourself is because your faith is in you. It's like, oh, yeah. Our faith has to be in what he's already done. And unless we begin to define ourselves correctly, we will never have hope and joy. We cannot define ourselves by our past experience, by what we've done or not done. We have to define ourselves by what we're created to do. So I'm going to share a couple testimonies that I love. Um, we need to gather testimonies in our life and rehearse them over and over and over again because it actually will make our brains think, this is possible for me. It doesn't even have to be your testimony. The more you rehearse it, the more likely it seems like it can happen. Unfortunately, do you know what most of our testimonies are? Because a testimony is something you rehearse, either out loud or in your mind. Most of our testimonies is our last great failure. And so we actually build a framework for more failure because we begin to have more faith in failure. So find some testimonies, make them yours, make them, you know, I, I like to tell people that you haven't repented until your repentance has created a different view of reality. Until you have a different view of what re reality is. Like, it's totally possible that I can walk on water. That I can draw water from a rock. Because we're spiritual beings and we are no longer subject to this realm. So one of my favorite testimonies is in 1991, my husband and I, we had been on staff at a church, and we ended up going to uh, become senior leaders in a church in Nevada. And we were the third pastor. The church was 10 years old. There had been two pastors before us. And what I didn't know until I was in a prayer meeting with some ladies, and they started talking about the very first pastor and his wife who started the church. And evidently, this pastor's wife had an affair with the local sheriff in town. And so the pastor left town. His wife was still in town, only she was now married to the sheriff. And I could tell they were really bitter at her, just the way they were talking and how she influenced the church and you know, gave the church a bad name. And I remember just saying, hmm, I think we need to not only forgive her, but I think we need to release her from the consequences of her sin. And so they were like, oh, okay. You know, and I didn't really even know what I was saying. It just came out of my mouth. I'd never heard any teaching on this. It was just, you know, 
I knew about forgiveness. I just didn't know about releasing people from the consequence. And we didn't tell anybody about it, but the very next day, this ex-pastor's wife called my husband and said, hey, can I come to church on Sunday and ask for forgiveness? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> I think something happened in the spirit realm that released her from the, the guilt and the condemnation that was, it was like a prison that kept her from being restored to Christ. So we released her, and my husband said, sure, come on in. She came Sunday, got up front, asked for forgiveness. There was this whole healing thing that went on, and she ended up you know, attending church until they moved out of the area. That's the supernatural. And then my other favorite testimony involves a, a close friend of mine who's a pastor in Texas. And he was telling me, um, I think this was a couple years ago that his mom had gotten really sick. And his mom was a Buddhist, very resistant to the gospel, even though all of her kids were Christians. But she was so resistant to the gospel that in her will, she specifically stated that when she died, she didn't want anybody to mention Jesus at her funeral and nobody was to pray for her. So she's in the hospital, they're thinking she might die, and I can't remember if she was sleeping or in a coma or what, but he said she was in bed, he was sitting in a, a chair in her room and just saying, Jesus, please don't let my mom die without knowing you. Please don't let her die without knowing you. And all of a sudden, a scripture comes to his mind. And it was the scripture where Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, and he comes to the disciples, and he says, your sins are forgiven you, receive ye the Holy Ghost, and then he blows on them. So that scripture pops in his mind, and he, for some reason, thought that that was an evangelistic scripture. So he walks over to his mom, who's out of it, and he leans right over her face and goes, mom. Your sins are forgiven you. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then he blows in her face. <laughs> and her eyes pop open. And she points to the corner of the room. And she goes, oh, do you see him? Do you see the man in white? <laughs> and he goes, Mom, are you seeing Jesus? And she goes, yes. And he's beautiful. So powerful. What if we actually believed? You know, I used to get really discouraged and hopeless about praying for people to get saved because there's certain people I just didn't think didn't want to be saved. You know, God's not going to cross their will, so I don't, you know. So it, there just wasn't this hope, because it was like, they're enjoying what they're doing. They are so resistant. I don't see how God can get to them without crossing their will. Until when God started talking to my husband and I about hope, one of the things that he, we realized is that every area that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. 
So I brought that to the Lord. I said, you know, there's certain people I don't have hope for. What's the lie? And he said, well, in this instance, the lie here is that you think you have to change their will to get them saved. We don't change their will when they get saved. Our job, the scripture says, is because the enemy has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers, our job isn't to change their will, our job is to bring light to their eyes. And how hard can that be if you're light? You just start believing and having faith that you're light. That you just automatically remove darkness. But so often we're so much more aware of darkness that we actually have more faith in darkness than we do in light. Why are we so aware of what non-saved people are carrying? Why are we so aware of like a, a spirit of provision, per, perversion or a spirit of heaviness? Why are we more aware of that than in what we carry? Because whatever you're more aware of and focused on, you'll have the most faith for. If when you walk into a room and you sense a spirit of heaviness and you're totally aware and you're focused on it, you'll have more faith for the spirit of heaviness. The heaviness that you're feeling is just a clue for you to realize, oh yeah, but I'm not heavy. I'm light. I'm freedom. I'm peace. Be more aware of what you are than what they are. Even in your own home, you know, some people are so aware of what their spouse or their kids are bringing into the home. And the question is, what are you bringing into the home? I had an experience where there was a lady in one of our churches that she was just, she was really good at changing the atmosphere negatively in a church meeting. You know, it, she just carried heaviness and bitterness and hatred, and she would just sit there and glare at you. And, you know, this, uh, it was like, great, you know, I thought we were going to have a good service, but look who showed up. <laughs> None of you guys would do that. And so we were, I walked into a women's meeting on one Saturday morning, and there she was glaring just heavy spirit on her. And a part of me is like, why do you even come? You don't seem to like us, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can go off on a rabbit trail on that, but I won't. So it was early. I hadn't had any coffee yet. And so her heaviness was just like, you know, walking into this wall. And so I turned around and left the room because I needed to kind of, you know, readjust myself and when I left I heard God say a scripture he said Wendy the spirit that it, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and I'd heard that scripture I'd probably even preached on it but when he said it 
I had this thought. Oh, you mean that literally. <laughs> right? And he said, I want you to go in, back into that room aware of what you carry. If her spirit can affect the room, how much more can your spirit affect the room? That's the way it's supposed to be. Stop focusing on what they carry and do a little focusing on what you carry. I had a, a situation where I had to confront a lady in the church, and I'm not into confrontation, um, but in leadership, that's just one of the perks of the job. And um, so I had an appointment. I'm getting ready to have this meeting with this lady because what she was doing was starting to affect a lot of areas of the church. And I remember very distinctly having the thought, I wish I could be sick. <laughs> because being sick sounded like more fun than confronting this lady. And... As soon as I said that, I heard Holy Spirit say, Wendy, why are you dreading this meeting? And I'm like, you know this lady. <laughs> she's angry and bitter. She's going to be mad at me for even bringing this up. It's just not going to be a pretty meeting. And he said, well, if that's your faith for the meeting, I don't want you to go. And I knew he wasn't giving me permission to cancel. <laughs> so I'm like well the only other alternative is to say well what should the f my faith be for this meeting and he said well right now you have more faith in what she carries than in what you carry you've already ceded the spiritual ground to the spirit she carries you've come under it You've already told it, it has more power than you do. And he said, I want you to go into that meeting fully recognizing what you carry. You carry peace. You carry a mother's heart for nurturing and healing and bringing people truth and freedom. And he said, I want you to focus on that. I want you to start believing that the mother's heart that you have is going to so embrace her and make her feel safe and loved that she will end up thanking you for this meeting. And the meeting went great. Because I placed my faith not in the, what the world carries, but in what God says I carry. We influence atmospheres, but sometimes we don't even realize what atmosphere we have the most faith for. We had a um, group of witches come and put a curse on the church that we were, um, we were on the leadership team in the 80s of this church. And the witches had cursed the church and left a big pentagram on the back wall of it. And all of us intercessors, you know, we got together because we had great faith in this curse. <laughs> Seriously. 
And so we're praying against it and all this. And years later, God just challenged me. And he said, Wendy, I, I don't have a problem with you, you know, breaking the power of the curse when that happened. I just want to know why you had more faith in a witch's curse than a pastor's blessing. Because back then, if the pastor blessed you at the end of the service, you had no expectation. You didn't believe anything was going to change. But if a witch cursed you, you expected bad to happen. What are we thinking? So I started asking God about it. You know, why is this? And he says, well, part of the thing is, is, you know, I, I shared last night that faith isn't blind, it's visionary. So if you can't see it, because the, the imagination was created by God, not so the enemy could have a playground, but so that he could plant things you've never seen in the natural within you, because if you see it, you'll attach faith to it. Faith is visionary. It means you see something nobody else can see. So he said, you can picture a curse. You can picture everything falling apart. The finances falling apart, the health falling apart, relationships falling apart. The problem is, is you can't picture what a blessing looks like because it doesn't fit your theology. Why is it that we understand that under a curse, you can do everything right and things will still go wrong? Because it's not about performance under a curse. It's about a spiritual thing taking place. But, you know, the scripture says that a curse lasts how long? Two to three generations. Do you know how long a blessing lasts? To a thousand. When a blessing happens, it's coming from the throne and it's still reverberating through the atmosphere until it performs what it was sent to do. So if under a curse you can do everything right and everything still goes wrong, then why don't we believe we can do everything wrong and it still turns out right? Because we don't understand the power behind it. The Old Testament people knew the power of a blessing. They lied and cheated to get one. <sighs> There's power behind it. Steve and I started a game when God started talking to us about understanding the power of a blessing. We started fake sneezing. <laughs> True. Because people would say, bless you. <laughs> and we were trying to value a blessing. We need to value 
any Christian who blesses you, we should have more expectation of something in the spirit realm overtaking us than we do when a witch curses us. I mean, we have a little joke now when one of us sneezes, we'll go, was that real? <laughs> you know? What if we really believed in the unseen realm and the substance of it? I can remember before Steve and I really got into declarations, I, I would put my, I have three kids, they're all grown now, but in the 90s, they were still fairly young, and so I would put them to bed at night, and I, we'd live next door to the church, and I'd go to the church, and I would just pray. And I went through this season where I'd walk around the church, and I would just yell, freedom! And this was before that was normal. <laughs> so I always made sure the doors were locked, the windows were shut and blinded down, and... Um, Nobody knew I was doing that, but it just from the very gut of my, my spirit, I knew that's what not only I needed, but our church and our, our region needed it. And I would just yell out, freedom, calling it in. And about three months later, we had a guest speaker. And he really wasn't even that, um, I don't know uh, how to put it, you know, perceptive in the spirit. He was, you know, back then in the 90s, there weren't all these prophets running around. It was just, you know, an average guy comes in, he stands up to preach, and he goes, it was so weird. As soon as I walked into your sanctuary, I heard the word freedom. <laughs> and I heard God say, I just wanted you to know that that word has not fallen to the ground until it performs that which it was sent to do. <laughs> Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. They accomplish something. Words in his economy don't just convey a thought. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. James 3 talks about our words being like a bit or a bridle in a horse's mouth. If you want to direct your life, direct your tongue. Don't talk about where you've been unless you want to go back. Talk about where you want to go. Understand the life force behind it. Understand this unseen realm has substance to it. We have to make his world more real to us than this world. I'm not saying this world doesn't exist. It does. It's just not as powerful as his world. This world was created by the spirit and the word. So guess what influences this world? Spirit and the word. His word in your mouth. 
would happen if we had faith for it? Instead of focusing on how unworthy we are, we need to rise up and know what we are. We're resurrected beings. We're new creation. But unless we define ourselves as spirit, we can't do what we're called to do. Because you can't change the world as a human. I used to hate the word apocalypse. Probably because of some of the movies that came out. You know, it's like apocalypse, the end of the world. Until I read that in the Greek it just means revelation. I had the thought once, maybe the apocalypse isn't the end of the world. Maybe it's just the end of the world as you know it. The whole earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons of man. The whole earth is groaning because it knows that from the very beginning, we were created to take dominion over this atmosphere and this world, and that's still the plan. But we couldn't do it as humans because we fell. But we can as born again, born of the Spirit. We now have access to both realms. Nothing's more irritating to me than getting people born again of the Spirit and then telling them to stay out of the Spirit realm. We're the only ones with legal access to the spirit realm. Instead, we're allowing, you know, scripture talks about whoever doesn't go through the gate but goes over the fence, they're thieves and robbers. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the realm of the spirit. So we are sitting back watching these non-Christian witches, New Agers, pulling on the spirit realm illegally and robbing us of our inheritance. Sorry, is this too heavy? I get so excited about it. I'm just passionate about getting us as Christians to know what we're created for, who we are, to know that we have access to pull his realm into this realm. But we can't do it unless we see the substance and the reality of it. Until we know and define ourselves differently. You can't overcome darkness as a human. But you can as a born-again child of God, made in his image. When you start believing that you are a partaker of the divine nature, most of us have more faith in the nature of sin than we do of the nature of God within us. I remember getting mad at Adam once and telling God, this is so unfair that just because Adam sinned, the rest of us got changed into sinners. Anybody else kind of feel like that was not fair? (laughs) Until one day God said, you know, Wendy, just as through the one man all became sinners, through the one man Christ all became righteous. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that scripture. (laughs) 
I had a mental agreement with it. <laughs> Until he said, your problem, Wendy, is you have more faith in Adam's ability to make you a sinner than Jesus' ability to make you righteous. And you're still trying to define yourself by what you've done and not done, instead of by your new creation. You can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. You can't consistently do what you don't believe you are. You don't become it by trying harder. I forgot to read my scripture. Where to go? Ephesians 4, verse 22 says, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God. The problem is, is we tend to leave out verse 23, and we think putting off the old man is stop doing things, and putting on the new man is start doing something else. You cannot do either one of those things without the middle connecting verse, which is be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want out of this, you have to change this. Life and energy are the product of right thinking about yourself. If you don't feel light and free and energetic and motivated, it's usually because you don't, you've got some lies going on. Because God is what? He's life, he's energy, he's just, you know, Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came what? To bring life, and that life more abundantly. What's really hilarious is he said that to people who were alive. I came to give life. Maybe his concept of life and ours isn't the same. But you can tell what, who you're listening to by what it leaves behind. I have a really close friend who co-led um, the prophetic in one of the churches we pastored. She was very mountain woman and loved the outdoors and we would go hiking. And she was so familiar with the outdoors that she could tell what kind of animals had been by whether their footprint or the scat that was left behind. I mean, she could tell deer poop from bear poop. I mean, you know, it, to me it was just poop. <laughs> but she'd say, oh yeah, deer's been by here. And one day God kind of caught me and he said, that's how you'll know who you're listening to by what is left behind. If you feel heavy and hopeless, then you're not listening to God. Even if you're 
having scripture quoted to you in your head, if it doesn't bring life, God's not the one quoting the scripture. Did you know that the enemy can be an angel of light? Because the word can kill you as well as bring life to you. It says, take up the sword of the spirit. In other words, the sword in anybody's hands but the spirit of God will kill you. So anytime, even if God is you know, confronting you or convicting you, there should be left behind something of who he is. Life, excitement, motivation. I can do this. What time am I supposed to be done? Five minutes? No. <laughs> I'll be back tonight. One, okay. What we think, how we think. Stop trying harder. Just go on this journey. Decide, I'm going to believe something different. If you want out of the mess that you're in, you're not, you know, the thinking that got you where you are won't get you out. If you want to go somewhere else, you need another thought. And we have to go after it and make it ours. You don't make a pathway in a forest by taking a walk. You make a pathway by continually going through that forest the same way over and over and over again. So we take the word of God. We take these new beliefs that don't feel true. And we begin to speak them over and over and over. We're making a pathway in our mind until it actually feels true. And somehow, when we are fully convinced, we begin to manifest our new belief. Because it actually sounds like it can happen. There's hope for every one of us. My husband tells people that I'm the most transformed person he's ever met. And it's because I decided I am sick and tired of always being sick and tired and inadequate and never enough. I am going to believe something different and I wrote down what I wanted to believe. I set it to music. I listened to it as I slept at night because I was convinced I have to change what I believe because just trying harder was not working. So just pray with me. Father, we thank you so much that we can be transformed simply by catching hold of your word and what you're saying and putting faith into it and allowing your word to so envelop and we marinate in it and meditate on it until it transforms our view of reality. Till your world becomes more real than our world. Till your world has more substance than ours. And we just ask, Father, that you would take us all deeper into that that we would not be afraid of the realm of the spirit, the kingdom of heaven, but that we would be the doorway for the kingdom of heaven to manifest here on earth. And we thank you for it.
Thank you that this is the year of taste and see, taste and see, taste and see. What we've been dreaming of is about to happen. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.